Well, good morning and welcome home and happy Father's Day. Thank you, Brian, for that uh, wonderful tribute. We celebrate our dads today and uh, we celebrate the sacrifices that you make and the way that you invest in us. If you're a man here today and you're not a dad, we celebrate the influence that you have as a man on the people in your in your life as well. So can we just can we just celebrate our dads and father figures today? So we've got a all, all the men, we've got a small gift for you as you leave the sanctuary today. It's chocolate, all right? It's candy. And uh, and so just as you leave the sanctuary, be sure that you grab one and uh, that's just a small token of our appreciation to you today. But uh, by the way, if you're visiting with us today uh, for the first time, our lead pastor, Kyle, is on a sabbatical. He'll be back with us the end of July, and um, that's also just a reminder to all of us to be praying for him. I think, the, I think their whole family has the stomach flu right now, and so uh, pray for them. Uh, pray that God will just do in Pastor Kyle whatever God wants to do, and just restore him and refresh him, uh, and, and he can come back to us in the, the end of July um, just ready to go and ready to continue leading. So uh, pray for them. But last week we started a, a new series called uh, Messy Family, Finding God's Best in Our Dysfunctional Mess. And we talked about how everybody has some kind of dysfunction in their family, right? No family's perfect because none of us are perfect. And we're looking, as we go through this series, we're looking at a handful of stories, a handful of families from the book of Genesis who were just messed up. I mean, you talk about dysfunctional. But here's the thing. That's the bad news. The good news in all of these families and all of these stories is that God's hand, God's grace, God's healing can be seen in every one of these stories. So my hope is, my prayer is that for for all of us here today, no matter how messy your family might be, no matter how messed up your situation might be or how dysfunctional your situation might be, uh, our hope is that through this series, you will see the hope and the healing that God offers every one of us and every one of our families. So that's our, that's our series, Clarity. God can bring hope and healing to even the messiest of families. And I've got a, I've got a few pictures to show you um, that got off the internet. Thanksgiving, bringing out the best in family dysfunction since 1863. Got to love those Thanksgiving dinners, right? Uh, remember, as far as anyone knows, we're a nice, normal family. I won't ask for a show of hands if you've ever said that to your kids or your spouse. I plan to give you love, nurturing, and just enough dysfunction to make you funny. Right? I don't don't know how many times I pray, God, please just help me not to mess up my kids too much. Please. I know I'm going to mess them up some because I'm not a perfect dad. Just help me not to mess them up too much. But, uh, I, you know, these these funny things, I was, I, I did a, long search on the internet just just looking for some of these and there's a lot of them out there a lot of them aren't appropriate to share in church a lot of them aren't appropriate to share anywhere and um and after i was done with my search i mean these are kind of funny and they're meant to entertain a little bit but but i was also kind of kind of sad after i ended my search because i saw so many things like this that just that just tell of such a negative view about family. 
And it reminded me that even though, yes, these are supposed to kind of entertain, it was a reminder to me that the institution of family in so many ways is broken. And the reason for that is what we looked at last week. Sin entered the world. And because of sin, we all mess up and we all make mistakes and none of us are perfect. And that brings dysfunction and that brings mess to our families. And because of that, a lot of people have a really, really negative view of family. And so as we continue in this series today, we move to another family in the Bible that was really messed up. Sin entered the world through Adam and Eve. And then today we come to who we call the patriarch. The patriarch is is Abram. We call him that because he was the father of the Jewish nation. The whole Jewish nation came from him. Later, God changed his name to Abraham. His wife's name was Sarai. Her name was later changed to Sarah. And and they did some things in their lives and in their families that were really messed up. And we're going to look at one of those examples today in Genesis chapter 16. If you want to turn there in your Bible or your Bible app. Um, God has already promised Abram twice that he's going to make him into a great nation. And not only that, but God says, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through you. God had already made those two promises. The problem, though, is that in the events we're about to see, Abram is 86 years old. And his wife, Sarai, is 76 years old. And they didn't have any kids yet. And here God is promising them, you know what, you're going to have kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-great-great-grandkids and I'm going to build you into a great nation. Okay, God, we don't have any kids and I'm 86 years old. So you can imagine their skepticism. Well, they weren't getting any younger. And so they decided to take matters into their own hands. Chapter 16 starts this way. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. Not to be confused with Sammy Hagar, the old lead singer of Van Halen. And yes, I'm throwing that in there to make up for my Alice Cooper faux pas from a few months ago. For those of you who remember or care, most of you probably don't. But she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abram agreed to what Sarai said, and he slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Talk about a messed up situation, right? I can't have a kid. Here, here's my slave. Why don't you sleep with her, and she'll give me a child. We'll have a family that way. Well, that wasn't even the end of it. Hagar gets pregnant, and then she begins to treat Sarai badly, her Quote, master. She begins to treat her badly, I guess out of pride, I don't know. So then Sarai gets mad. She blames Abram for getting Hagar pregnant when it was Sarai's idea to begin with. And so Abram tells Sarai, well, do what you want. So then she begins abusing and mistreating Hagar until Hagar runs away. Is it me or does this sound like an old Jerry Springer episode? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands who watches that, okay? Do not admit that if you, if, I don't even know if it's still on. But this, it kind of reads that way, doesn't it? What a messed up situation. You talk about messy and dysfunctional. We might ask, well, how did they, how did they get to this point? What, what on earth made them decide that this would be a good arrangement? 
Well, the truth is, this was actually a pretty common custom in their culture. If a woman couldn't have children and she owned slaves or had servants, then a lot of times they would sort of make this arrangement. This, this, a servant girl would be promoted, if you call it a promotion, to, to the status of a concubine. And so she would sleep with the husband, and then if she had any kids, then the actual wife would raise that kid as her own. It was pretty common, as messed up as that is. But here's the thing. Young people, listen to me. Just because something is commonly accepted and practiced in the culture does not mean it is good and right. Please hear me when I say that. Just because the culture around you says, oh yeah, this is fine, this is good, this is okay, that doesn't mean it's fine and good and okay. And that's exactly what we see in this story. That's how this story plays out. They're doing something that was commonly practiced in their culture, but it's, it's outside the boundaries of what God intended for marriage and family. And things get really, really, really messed up from there. In fact, this baby that, that uh, Hagar conceives and, and gives birth to, his name was Ishmael. And this prophecy is pronounced over Ishmael that, that he's going to grow up and there would always be, he would always be enemies with his brothers. And the reason that's significant is because Ishmael, he, he, his offspring would, would become the Arab race. And Abram and Sarai would go on to have a child named Isaac. And, and he, his family grew into the Jewish race. And remember the prophecy, you'll always be enemies with your brother. What's the one conflict in this world that continues to dominate headlines even today, thousands of years later? It's that conflict between Arab and Jew. And yes, that also, talk about generational dysfunction. That's all traced back to right here where Abram and Sarai made a really bad decision to step outside of what God intended for marriage and family. This was messed up. So, as we look at this story, there are at least, a, there are at least two really big red flags that tell us this isn't going to work out well. This isn't going to go well. This isn't going to end well. And that first red flag is dangerous motives. Did you catch what Sarah said? The Lord has kept me from having children. The Lord has kept me from having children. She's blaming God. She's mad at God. God's done this to me. And she seems to be in this almost kind of emotional state where she's just mad. And you know what? Being mad at God, to some degree, that's okay. If you've been following God for any length of time, or even if you haven't, there have probably been moments where you've been mad at God, and you've doubted Him, and you've doubted His timing, and you've doubted His presence in your life, and you've doubted His, His, His plans or His ways. God, why have you done this? Or why have you not done that? Why didn't you prevent this? Why aren't you making this happen? I know I've been there. But the thing is, when you're, when you're in that frame of mind, that's not the time to be walking away from God. See, a lot of times people get mad at God or they start doubting God and so they start walking away from Him. That's the time when you need to be walking towards Him in prayer. Sarah and I, my wife and I, we've been married this in August, it'll be 21 years, and there have been lots of times in our marriage where we started, you know, one of us maybe was feeling some distance between us. 
Those aren't the times to be walking away from each other. Those are the times to be walking towards each other and start communicating about it. And so when you reach times in your life when you're mad at God or you're doubting God or you're blaming God for something, start walking towards Him in prayer. It's not like He doesn't already know how you're feeling anyway, right? So to be mad at God or to blame God for things, to some degree, that's, that's, that's normal, that's okay. But here's the thing, here's what we have to remember. Major life decisions that are made in a highly emotional frame of mind often turn out messy. When, uh, when I was little, my, uh, my family and I, we were sitting around the table one night eating supper and I remember my parents were giving my brother a really hard time about something. He's five years older than me, and, and uh, they were just, just kind of teasing him about something, you know, just, just kind of having fun around, the, dis, around the, the dinner table. And my brother, he just, he just, he wasn't really having a temper tantrum, but he just kind of got frustrated. And he was partly having fun, but partly frustrated, and the ketchup bottle was right in front of him, and he just grabbed it real fast and just slammed it down on the table. And then sometime after that, we were sitting around the table again, and somebody happened to glance up at the ceiling, and there was one spot of ketchup right above my brother's seat from when he slammed that ketchup bottle down. And you know, today, we, today when we get together, we still sometimes tell that story and we laugh about it. It's one of those fun, you know, childhood memories that my brother and I have, although he thinks I'm the one that, that did it, but I'm sure it was him. It's one thing when a little kid has an emotional reaction to something and puts a spot of ketchup on the ceiling. It's another thing when you or I, in a fit of anger or hurt or blame, do something that creates a mess for those around us. Usually those messes are a lot bigger than a spot of ketchup on the ceiling, aren't they? You see, when your emotions are really high out of anger or hurt or whatever it is, those are bad times to make major life decisions. That's why they say, you know, pastors should never resign on Mondays. You ever heard that? Or pastors should never resign after a board meeting. That's why they say don't discipline your kids when you're still really mad at them. Well, that's a hard one. That's why they say don't quit your job right after your boss chews you out. Don't decide to leave your spouse in the middle of a giant fight. You see, emotions aren't aren't bad. I mean, God created emotions, but if we're not careful, they can completely overshadow reason and common sense. And in the worst case, like with Sarai, they can completely overshadow our faith in God. Our faith in his purposes and in his plans and in his timing and in his promises. So if you want to find God's best in your dysfunctional mess, then make major life decisions. I'm talking about those decisions that are going to have a, an impact on your family. Make those decisions when you can make them out of a mindset of thankfulness to God, out of gratefulness to God, out of a desire to, to please and honor him. That's the mindset to have when you have to make those major life decisions. Don't make those out of anger or fear or doubt or blame. Because when we make decisions that way, we tend to make big giant messes for our families. That are a lot bigger than a spot of ketchup on the ceiling. So, be careful with your motives. 
Our second red flag is they refuse to wait on God's promises. Look what Sarai says. Look at it again. She says, go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. You see what she's done? She's now pushed God out of the picture. She's now said, I'm not going to do this God's way. I'm not going to wait on God's timing. I'm not going to trust in God's promises. I'm taking matters into my own hands, and here's how we're going to do this. And Abram says, okay. See, he's not innocent in this either. He's going along with the whole thing. And Sarah says, well, I'm just going to take care of this myself. There's no, there's no prayer. There's no seeking after God's face. There's no seeking godly, wise counsel. She just makes this decision to do this herself and to take things into her own hands. And they decide together, you know what? We're going to build our family our way. We're not waiting on God anymore. We're not waiting on his promises anymore. We're going to do this our way. The problem is families get messy. Life gets messy when we try to do things our way instead of God's way. I know I can testify to that in my life. And I'm guessing you can too. Families get messy when we try to do things our own way. In fact, when you think about it, that's exactly what we saw last week when we saw sin enter the world through, through Adam and Eve. They decided to do things their way instead of God's way for what they perceived to be some kind of personal gain. That's exactly what Abram and Sarai are doing here. They see some kind of, of possible personal gain, and so they say, okay, we're just going to go get this our way, and we're going to forget God's way, and they create a mess. There are actually a lot of parallels between that story last week and today's story. There are a lot of, there are a lot of common words and phrases and Common themes, and the idea seems to be that in the same way that Adam and Eve messed things up for, their, for the whole human race that would come after them, in the same way, so did Abram and Sarai mess everything up for their family that would come after them. All because they took things into their own hands and said, we're going to do this our way. That's what happens when we refuse to trust God's promises. So you want to find God's best, even in a mess? Trust God's promises enough to build your family his way. To conduct your family his way. To approach life his way. Because his way is always better. Remember, he created life. He created marriage. He created family. Of course he knows the best way to do family. So approach it his way. In fact, what is his way? What are some things that God says in his word are his way of doing life and family? Well, he says, husbands, cherish your wife. He says, wives, respect your husband. Don't be a tyrant to your kids. Don't be a tyrant to your spouse either. He says, forgive. Forgive. It says, speak kindly and speak truthfully to each other. Why is it that the people we love the most and the people we're closest to, why is it that they're the ones we usually speak the harshest to? Is that true for you? I know it's true for me. What would happen if in our families, if we started fulfilling God's way with our words in our families, speaking to each other kindly and truthfully? God says, put your needs or put your family's needs ahead of your own. Put the needs of others ahead of yourself. 
What would happen if we started doing things God's way and started conducting our families in the ways that God tells us to? What would happen? You see, God promises us in the Bible that this is how he created families to function best. Families function best when we operate this way, when we, when we choose to build our families this way, or when we choose not to build our families this way, when we choose not to cherish our wives or respect our husbands, when we choose to be a jerk to our kids or to anybody else in our family, when we choose to hold grudges and not forgive, when we choose not to speak kindly, when we choose to selfishly put our, our own needs ahead of others' needs. We're basically saying, God, I don't trust in your promises. I don't trust in your ways. I don't trust you enough to do things your way, so I'm going to do things my own. That's basically what we're saying. Trust God's promises. Trust God's timing. Make the decision you're going to do life and family His way. You're going to treat your family His way. Make that decision today. Well, what about the rest of the story? What happens to to Abram and Sarai? Well, I, you know, God goes on and he, he, he cares for Hagar and he, he provides care for Ishmael. And I already told you, he goes on and he provides a son for Abram and Sarai as well. In fact, in the very next chapter, the very next chapter, God reiterates his promise to them. He reiterates his promise that I'm going to build you into a great nation and people are going to be blessed because of you. In other words, even though they took everything into their own hands, even though in a way they turned their backs on God and said, we're going to do things our way, God still brought them around. God's grace still brought them around to his plans and his purposes and his promises. Now the lesson in that isn't, well, just do what you want and God will still take care of you. No, the lesson is even when you've messed up, all is not lost. All does not have to be lost. Even when you've messed up for your family, God can bring you back around to his promises and his purposes and his plans. In fact, that reminds me of, of part of my own story. I, I was a freshman in high school when I first began to feel like God was calling me to be a pastor. But by the end of high school and early college, I was running from that call. I, was, I wasn't giving hardly any thought to it. I was running from God. I had all these questions and doubts about God. I was really, really close to just deciding I'm, I don't even want to live my life as a Christian. I didn't quite get to that point, but I was like this far away. I was running from God in a full sprint. And you know, I made some decisions in that time that kind of created some headaches for myself. But, but then my sophomore year in college, I found myself kneeling beside my bed in my dorm room. Pouring my heart out to God. Saying, God, I'm all yours. I'm done running. I'm done fighting you. I'm all yours. I'm committed to you and I will do anything you want me to do. And you know what I found was still waiting for me? 
as I was pouring my heart out to God in that moment, that call to be a pastor. Immediately, I began to sense that again. I hadn't even given it a thought for I don't know how many years. You see, God's grace brought me around back to His plans and His purposes and His promises. So just like Abram and Sarai, I had made some decisions to do life my way instead of God's. And yes, just like Abram and Sarai, I created some headaches for myself. But just like Abram and Sarai, God brought me back around to where I needed to be. And if God can do that for Abram and Sarai, and God can do that for me, and God can do that for thousands, even millions of people and couples and families over the centuries, then guess what? He can do that for you. You are not going to be the first person or the first family to find where God's finally going to look at somebody and say, well, man, I've done a lot, but I don't think I can do anything about that mess. That's not going to, that's not you. That's not your family. God is bigger than that. His grace can bring hope and can bring healing. Will you trust today on this, on this Father's Day? I I get that there are probably some people here today, maybe somebody watching online, who's having a hard time celebrating Father's Day today. I get that. Maybe your dad, maybe your dad really messed things up with some stupid, selfish decisions, trying to do life his way instead of God's. And maybe there's been a ripple effect in your life and maybe, maybe there's been an, even a generational effect. If that's you, my prayer, my deepest prayer and desire is that you will leave here today trusting that God can bring hope and healing even to that situation. He can bring you, He can bring your family back around to His plans and His purposes and His promises. Or maybe you're sitting here today and you're a dad and you're thinking, man, I messed things up. I really messed things up for my family. Last night, we were watching, y'all ever watch that show, um, Undercover Boss? Anybody ever watch that? I don't cry at Undercover Boss. You can't prove it. You know, a boss goes undercover and then at the end of the show, he gives employees like... Like all these things, people who are going through tough times. And last night there was a guy who's a CEO, and, and the, the whole experience brought him to terms with the fact that he'd been a rotten husband and dad his whole life. He put his career ahead of everything. He'd had multiple failed marriages because he poured everything into his job. He really messed things up for his family. Maybe that's you, Dad. But I want you to hear today, there is hope and there's healing. And God can bring you, no matter how bad you've messed up, He can bring you full circle back around to His plans, His purposes, and His promises. But will you commit today to trusting in those promises, to trusting in His timing? Will you commit today, dads, 
to doing life God's way and not your own. you stand with us? If there's anything that you would like to pray about the altar this morning, we invite you to come as we continue to sing about God's promises. Don't think about how you feel. Don't base decisions on how on what you see. Base your decisions on God's promises for you and your family. And let Him bring hope and healing even to your messy, messy dysfunction. Put your hope today in God's promises. Leave the past behind. Maybe leave the present behind. Trust in God's promises. Commit to His ways. Commit to His timing. Commit to doing things God's way. And let Him bring you back around. Let Him bring your family back around to His purposes and His plans and His promises. God, we thank You so much for Your love and grace in our lives. We thank You for the hope that we have in You. We thank You for the promises that we find in Your Word, the promises regarding ourselves, regarding our families, for the promise regarding our our eternal salvation. Thank you for sending Jesus to take all of our sin and all of our dysfunction upon himself. As he died on the cross to give us life. And to bring hope and healing not only to us as individuals, but, but to our dysfunctional families as well. We thank you for that, God. And for anyone who's struggling here today, who's struggling on this Father's Day. Because maybe they feel like their dad isn't worth celebrating. Or maybe they, maybe there's some dads in here who are being crushed under the weight of their own failures. God, for the one who might be here today who, who hasn't become a father. And for those who are grieving today because they've lost loved ones. For all today, God, I pray for your hope and for your healing and for your comfort. I pray for the presence of your spirit. I pray that every person in this room and every person watching online would be filled with your peace today and would be grateful and thankful for a heavenly father who created us and loves us sent his son to die for us. We love you, God. We trust you. Thank you for being our heavenly father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Have a blessed day.